0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of the Create a Life You Love podcast with me, Patrick Manifold. Except this time, for the first time, I have a guest. Her name is Abigail Barnes. She's an author, she's a speaker, she's an entrepreneur, and she's a really interesting woman. So take a listen to this episode. It's about an hour long, so maybe go for a run, put it on when you're in the car, something like that. And listen carefully because there's some golden nuggets of information that if you apply to your life could genuinely help you create a life you love.
1: One day I'll be where I is, it goes, say it, I'd be Shoulders of giants where I stand so I can see The future is mine in my mind, nothing can stop me I'll chase my dreams and fulfil what your destiny
0: Miss Abigail Barnes, welcome to the Create a Life You Love show.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: My pleasure. I'm actually really looking forward to this. I've been following you for a while, and I think that you're going to add a lot of value to my listeners. So before we get started, where can people follow you online?
2: I hang out mostly on Instagram, so I would suggest you take a look at my account. It is at a Barnes author. so that's a b a r n e s a. U T H O
0: R. perfect i think most people are hanging out on instagram these days me included (laughs) so what i'm a big fan of context and i think that you never really know somebody until you know where they've been and what they've been through so in the most glossiest way possible i want to hear your life in five minutes or less so from where you began where you were born all the way up until this point no details really needed just kind of like the basics of where you began
2: So this is me in a super nutshell. Um, I was born in Derbyshire um, in a place called Belpa. I have a brother and a sister, or I should say a sister and a brother. Um, I am the eldest. Uh, We moved to London when I was seven and my mum took us on a tour of London and we went to a place called the Royal Exchange where I saw a million people rushing around at light speed. And it was at that time that I decided that I wanted to be a businesswoman. at the age of seven. Had no idea what I wanted to do. So uh, went to university like everybody else and studied marketing because I was interested in why people did what they did. Um, And during that time, I had a number of temping jobs in the city, in the financial district in London. And so every holiday when people, uh, my peers were going traveling around the world, backpacking, I was working in an office in the city because I worked out um, the return on time for investment and I could make £10 an hour for that time. So that's what I did. So when I left university on the Friday... I actually had a job in the city on the Monday and um, not many of my peers had been able to get jobs because it was quite competitive um, at that time and so then I worked in finance for over 10 years um, until I had a near-death experience on a business trip seven years ago and. Five years ago, I started the business um, that I now run now, Success by Design Training. Um, And we focus on personal productivity and are obsessed with helping people to live a happy, balanced life. So that's me in a nutshell.
0: I like it. I'm impressed that you were able to get that much in in that short amount of time. Actually, I think that we have a lot of commonalities and that's why we get on up to add some further context. I've been following you for a while. You've been following me. Uh, We've talked on and off for a few years and after even just hearing that i understand a little bit now why i get you and i have that same passion for wanting to understand like human behavior and what makes us do what we do again i had a similar thing with being a businessman except i didn't have that experience in london i <laughs> i was watching eastenders and phil mitchell owned like five or six different businesses and i thought that looks really cool i want to do that so um, i think that that's why you maybe resonate with me from afar because we have such similar ideas we're going to delve a little bit further into some of the points that you brought up i'm going to ask what was of that story of your whole life now you can go into a little bit more detail if you like what was the lowest point first and then what was the highest point of your life so far
2: So just to give a little bit of context to the low, because the low came out of a long period of time. So as I said, when I was seven, I wanted to be this businesswoman, had no idea what to do. So I too watched a TV show, um, but still didn't really pick up from that TV show what people actually did. I worked out what they wore. Um, and maybe you have heard this phraseology that people have all the gear and no idea. Um, well, this has kind of been one of the things in my life. So when it comes to skiing, I look great, but I'm dreadful when it came to basketball, which is how I think we first connected was over basketball. I had the shorts, I could do the spins on my fingers, but, uh, I wasn't really
0: that great. There's quite a few Um, people in basketball that have all the gear but no idea. It's quite common.
2: Yeah, (laughs) it wasn't really actually all that great. So my whole life I had almost been searching, 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 searching for something but never actually finding it. And I guess this is a, 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 a very topical conversation these days where people are looking for their purpose because once they find that passion for what it is that they want to do, they feel and believe that they will be off on their way. Mm-hmm. The reality is that the purpose actually isn't outside of you. The purpose is what you're doing every single day. And it becomes, you become who you are by going through the highs and lows. Mm-hmm. So to get to sort of my lowest point really was a series of um what other people would term success in my career, but it just never felt like it to the point where um, I finally got sent on a business trip. um, And this is all I'd ever wanted to do was to get sent to fly business class, to go to a different country, to meet different people um, and do something totally different. So I'm living the dream and I get there and um, 24 hours later, I'm in hospital being told at the age of 32 that I've had a stroke.
0: Wow. When that happened, because I'm sure you've told this story a hundred times, what went through your mind as that was happening?
2: As the actual stroke was happening, obviously I didn't know it was a stroke at the time. I just thought it was really chronic migraine, really bad headache, maybe food poisoning. I mean, it's not something that you think of at the age of 32.
1: Um,
2: At that time, when suddenly I couldn't breathe and I couldn't move, I was paralysed. Um, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do anything. I suddenly had this realisation: I'm going to die. I'm going to die in my parents' friend's guest bedroom, wearing a pair of second-rate pajamas. Oh no! They were guest bedroom suitable pajamas. If you, if you. <laughs> ban, you know, a glamorous death, or this is an odd conversation, but <laughs> you at least want to go out wearing something good, right? Um, sure. And as it's only, it's only as I look back, I can pontificate <laughs> on this. It is kind of crazy, so bear with me on this. Um, and in those moments of what the heck is going on, panic, 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 I hit death's door and I was hit by a wave of ginormous regret. Wow. I haven't lived Patrick I'm 32 and I haven't lived I've been chasing 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 and I've not stopped to enjoy the moment of anything and literally that was when something kicked in me I don't want to die give me a second chance so in those moments eight o'clock in the morning in Boston it was a very cold February morning I am begging the creator of all that is whatever you believe for a second chance because obviously I've hit death's door, I've not died. This isn't like some lovely white tunnel where everything's amazing and I see a load of relatives all waving at me. This was a door of, well, a fight for your life. So for 24 hours, I fought for my life until the doctor then wakes me up and says, we've worked out what it is and we're sending you up to ICU. And you know that was when the medical team took over. But I have fallen from the highest of all heights. I have you know, realized that the biggest thing that we, we know as humans, but yet we somehow think we can cheat it. Death is inevitable and we are fallible. <laughs> like this, this machine, if you, if you don't look after it, is ultimately gonna break. And when it breaks, you're out. I mean, life's a game. If you don't have your machine to operate, you can't operate. So I I kind of look at life and and death in a very different, slightly removed way. And I know that people who maybe haven't experienced it might not understand it. Um, And some people might.
0: You often hear similar things of people being on like much older people, obviously being on their deathbed and thinking and looking back and thinking, I didn't really live. Now, you had that experience way before your time. Should be double, if not triple, your age when that happened to uh, you. But it's a commonality. It's so many people are gonna get to that final point and be like, "Man, I did everything for everybody else. I never did anything for myself. I never lived what I actually wanted to do." And I've been stuck in that that rat race of success and chasing my dreams for the longest time. And it wasn't until the last five years or so that I had that realization. Thankfully for me, I didn't have to go through that experience. But an interesting uh, question: If you hadn't have had that experience do you still think that you'd be on that path that you were on
2: here is the interesting thing is everybody is different everyone has a different journey a different dharma a different reason for being i had had wake up calls minor wake up calls in so far as i've been made redundant a couple of times like life had changed and i'd hit crossroads where i could have done something different and um i did try each time to start a business but I had a belief that who was I to do this and I didn't know how to do it and I couldn't do it. And mm-hmm. the law of um, a secure job and a salary was was great. You know, Golden a job in finance, yeah, a job in finance pays well and London is not a cheap city to live in. So, And these were my limiting beliefs and these were my stories. So, do I think um, I would have woken up? Quite probably not. I'm, um, to be honest. And uh, maybe the thing that I start to see now is my my sort of peers. We're all approaching a, a, an age where it's the age that's actually waking. Up that next wave of people up of wow um, you know I'm hitting and age is kind of irrelevant but in essence there is a clock and it keeps score so we can have the mindset of 20 but we have the machine of a different age and everything you know I'm I'm not going to massively go
0: into it what advice would you give to someone that they don't need to have a stroke to have that profound understanding of what you went through be like what i'm doing isn't what i should be doing how would someone get to that point in your opinion without having that kind of crazy life-changing experience like what questions do they need to ask themselves in order to get to that truth
2: so what i learned fundamentally is gratitude sounds a bit of an odd answer to that question but look at your life look at what you do have look at what it's giving you Um, you hate your job, but look at the freedom it's actually giving you. Look at the the finance it's giving you. Look at the fact that it is paying the bills every month. Start to look at how much time you have and, and do an audit, do an assessment of your whole life. And when you can go and drop into that gratitude, everything looks different. And then you start to spot the patterns because, as I said, everything is leading you to your purpose. People find their purpose, quote-unquote, by finding what they don't want or they don't like. They find what they do want or they do like. So I kind of describe it as like following the grotty looking breadcrumbs and I don't know if that analogy is going to work around the world but like Hansel and Gretel the story of the breadcrumbs you you have to follow them and, and they don't look clear and they don't look sparkly and sometimes they look crazy and it can be that random conversation with somebody or the comment on Instagram or somebody saying come here I don't want to go there you go there you meet someone boom and that's how it happens so when you try to ask people How did you get to where you got to and reverse engineer it? It's not that perfect. It's imperfect and it's imperfect actions and it's imperfect steps. And it's, but it's with the gratitude, it's learning to enjoy every step. Enjoy, And our big sort of gurus that we follow, like the Gary V's and now the amazing D-Rock, they're talking about the journey, the steps look up look up every once in a while it might be raining look up you'll see a rainbow that's I, how life I had works a quote
0: when i was in college i had a quote on like on the wall in the kitchen or something um, i think it was Eleanor roosevelt she said the secret to happiness is to chase your dreams but be able to enjoy the journey along the way and for me for the longest period of time I could only be genuinely like jubilant happy after I'd achieved something amazing, after I was like national athlete of the year or um, all American or something huge like that that would take years to get to. That was the only time I gave myself permission to be genuinely happy. And it wasn't until I really started to look into like personal development and gratitude was something that came along so quickly with that and changed my life. You have to be grateful for everything that you have while you pursue everything that you want. And if you can find that happiness in the journey, that's everything. And I'd say now more than ever, you rewind. How many, how many years ago was this that you had this issue, seven years ago? So the
2: stroke the was seven years ago, yeah. So
0: you even rewind just seven years. That's not a very long time. But the world no. was a very different place seven years ago.
1: Yeah.
0: Now it's like everybody gets an at-bat. Everyone gets an opportunity to chase their dream the internet has literally leveled the playing field. Whereas back even just seven, definitely 10 years ago, that wasn't, that wasn't the case. People, it was a lot crazier to try and start your own random niche business. Whereas now with Instagram and all these things where you can meet people all over the world and do things remotely, it's changed the game. But back then it must've been a really scary decision to kind of leave the golden handcuffs of guaranteed money to go for something that you want. And I, I'm just genuine believer in the fact that I'd rather earn less money doing something I love than more money doing something I hate. And that's just like 100%, you're proof of that. But you also get the opportunity being an entrepreneur is it's up to you, the responsibility is on you. So if you want that extra money, you just have to work harder, do whatever it takes to get there. So it's not like you're sacrificing It's one or the other, you can have your cake and eat it too
2: yeah if you're prepared to do whatever it takes right well, not everybody is
0: oh i couldn't agree more and I, but i think that sometimes that's a case of needing to be awakened you were awakened by your experience i want to awaken people without having that life-changing experience
2: yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah worst worst pain ever <laughs> right,
0: I think, I of, have think, think of a hangover
2: know. and multiply it it's not great
0: i've never had a hangover so i can't that analogy is oh.
1: lost,
0: i know i'm very fortunate
1: Amazing.
0: <laughs> so that obviously was your lowest point and it's from the outside looking in, that moment changed your life. When have you been the most happiest? When has not balance balance is a weird word that I don't agree with the definition necessarily. Like most people think balance is fifty percent this and fifty percent that, whereas balance could very well be ten percent and ninety percent in my opinion, depending on what you're yep. doing. Yep. Um so not necessarily balance but where things of like, you know, I'm doing this particular I'm passionate about, maybe my relationships are going well and my business is going well. And is that something that you feel like you can recreate on a ongoing basis that if you just have a certain kind of mindset to say, I'm going to allocate this amount of time to this and this amount of time to my passions and blah, blah, blah. Have you been through an experience where you've had that sweet spot of happiness?
2: So as I said, ha- happiness is in the moment. It's in every day. It's in every single thing. So yesterday I got to spend time with my sister to do some um, preparation for her wedding. Um, so those four hours that we got to spend together to be present with her was amazing and um, I spent some time with my best friend and her uh, her young family a couple of weeks ago, and um, I'm the godmother to one of her children. So that was also awesome. It was her birthday, all of her friends were there in the garden and they were painting um, rabbit money boxes, and I was painting a rabbit money box with them. <laughs> and they were more worried about me getting paint on my skirt, and I was more worried about which color neon I could, I could paint this rabbit. Um, <laughs> because I now see happiness in the moment of, thing, of, of life. So I'm happy when I can go to the gym. I mean, somebody said to me the other day, oh, thank God that's over. And I said, I don't see the gym as a punishment. It is the biggest um, pleasure and gratitude that I have, that I can walk in there that first of all, I have a gym to go to, that I have two legs, that I have the time, that I can breathe, that I can actually do more than I did yesterday. It sounds weird, Patrick, but I've literally flicked a switch in my brain where the glass is half full for me. I love that. I, so my superpower is optimism. I won't argue with you to be an optimist because your belief is entirely yours. Your life is entirely yours. But my superpower is the ability to be optimistic, even when the world is raging, raging around, you know, it's raining today. Fantastic.
0: I think that might be the the main takeaway. I I don't know what else you're going to say, but that might be the main takeaway (laughs) from this podcast is that ability to use perspective every day within your decisions. I, I heard someone once say, if you just change your vocabulary from, I have to, to, I get to. So when you wake up, you don't have to go to the gym. I get to go to the gym, like it's an opportunity that I should be grateful for. That one change in your framework and your mental framework can change your life forever. You don't have to do anything.
2: No, and you don't. And that's the thing. Nobody is holding a gun to your head. Right. Nobody is forcing you to do anything. I've got water here. I didn't have to walk four hours for it and it's not even drinkable how hard is your life really
0: right Perspective. you've
2: got a roof over your head aircon. You
0: know. we're living the dream right now all of us
2: and so that's every single time i find because your mind can be trained your mind is a distracting monkey i i bring it back bring it back bring it back I'm like, oh, I I have almost started to observe my mind like it's trying to drag me off on a conversation (laughs) down Negativity Alley. And I'm like, we don't live there anymore. We live on New Street.
0: Do you do much meditation?
2: So that's the interesting thing. You just read my mind there. I've started working with a meditation teacher because um, I just got so confused with all of the messages out there of meditation's this, it's that, it's the other. Um, And I I had a belief of what it was, and I didn't think that I wasn't doing it. I just didn't know what was the best way to do it, if that makes sense. Mm. So I've been on a journey to discover what it is in order to then create my own practice. This is how I operate. I research the heck out of everything, And then I follow my own intuition to create my own way. So some days I'll um, do a guided meditation. Some days I'll do a visualization. Some days I'll try a breathing meditation. I'll use all different influences. And the only thing that matters is how I feel. I like that. And if I'm doing it and I'm not resonating with the voice or it just doesn't feel right or I'm really too distracted, I'll go away and come back. But what meditation's taught me and what my meditation teacher's been able to teach me is – an amazing analogy where you imagine that the thoughts in your mind are like sushi on the sushi train going around. <laughs> now you let the sushi go by. You don't sit, If you, hopefully people like sushi, but if you don't like sushi, imagine something else is on there. You don't sit there and go, I don't like that one. I'm going to take it off. You let it go by. You only take the sushi off that you like. So the thoughts are like the sushi. So they go by. You let them carry on. You don't, oh, let, let's get misery off there and have a little, little look back at the past and let's feel bad about ourselves. And you know, let's you know, think about what I should have, would have, could have. They don't give degrees in hindsight. <laughs> because if they did, everybody would be first class honors, award winning. When people start saying they should have done this, they should have done that, I call it shutting the gate after the horse has bolted. That's not my analogy. It's been around for years, but the horse has gone. You don't win prizes for being smart, for telling people what they should have done. Focus on your own path where you're going, keep in your lane, and let the sushi go by.
0: (laughs) I like that analogy. When When I was learning a little bit about meditation, I had the vision of you sitting on a summer's day with loads of clouds in the sky, And all of those thoughts that pop up, I wonder what I'm going to have for dinner. And then I wonder what that person thinks of me. All these like millions of random, ridiculous thoughts that we have, they're just clouds and they just pass Uh, by. uh, And I think that kind of something that you touched upon, we judge others on what they do, but we judge uh, ourselves on what we think. And uh, I think that we think that the, the thoughts that we have are our own, they're not. I feel like they're like a synapse firing in our brain that Uh, we have some kind of emotional reaction to something that we see or an experience that we had. But not all of our thoughts are our own. We can choose. Kind of like you said with the sushi, uh, you can choose all those thoughts. Everybody in this world has had, like, I want to kill that person as a thought. But they don't actually want to do that. That's just a phraseology that they've picked up from somewhere, right? So that's like the sushi analogy or... Maybe I'll use the hamburger analogy because I'm not a sushi fan. I would only eat the hamburgers that I want. Only have the thought, choose the thoughts that I like and that empower me, and use them. The others, I, I've got to a point where I understand not every single thought I have belongs to me or that I have to do anything about. So I really like. I really like that analogy. So, what
2: like what what do you like in your hamburger? Do you like? Um... Red sauce or brown sauce? Do you like mayonnaise? I don't know if you have mayonnaise in Canada. We maybe do. Maybe we have
0: lot. Hellman's mayonnaise actually.
2: Oh, do you? Yeah. Amazing. I
0: buy it by the like massive jug load because that's just how it's served. But it.
2: so, do you like red sauce or brown sauce more?
0: Brown or barbecue. So
2: then, yeah. So then you would put brown or barbecue sauce in. But some people would talk for hours about how they don't like red. Focus on what you want, right. not on what you don't want. Right. Law of attraction. It's super simple.
0: And I've been using this analogy recently. I don't know if you ever saw that meme on the internet of Michael Phelps who was swimming and he's in the middle of a race and there's somebody who's beating him and the the race isn't over yet. And Michael Phelps is like in his pose, like super focused on the finish line. And the guy that's ahead of him is looking over his shoulder at Michael Phelps. I'm Michael Phelps. I'm not the other guy. I'm not looking to see, is anybody chasing me? Is anyone catching up? If you can focus on what you want to do and not worry about anybody else, you're so much further along than most people. And I think that meditation is a way for you to, to get to that point. And honestly, it's something I want to do more. And I used to use the excuse, I don't have time, but I don't accept that excuse from anybody else. So I can't accept it from myself. I've just not made it a prior- enough of a priority to put it yeah. in your life exactly. I, I we have to, time
2: but, for everything
0: exactly, people would look at your life and say that you're too busy to go to the gym and, and you, most people would justify that I'm too busy to work out it's not that important but someone like you who's had the experience you had who needs to look after your body you've had a profound experience that teaches you you know what, make time, it's a priority
2: <laughs> it's almost like you looked at my Instagram account today because I actually <laughs> said I don't have time to go but Nobody is going to look after your body for you.
0: Right. You can't pay and someone else to do your push-ups.
2: No. And you are going to be more efficient, speedier, healthier, happier on the journey if you have given something to yourself. And a workout doesn't have to be an hour. This is the other thing. Right. I always say to people, do what you can. Five minutes. I've got some clients that don't have time. So I'm like, right, we're going to start you on five minutes. What? I tell you, you do... Ten push-ups and ten sit-ups, and that takes you five minutes. You'll notice the difference. You'll want to do more. Right. You'll want to add squats in. You'll want to add dips in. And before you realise it, you're doing a hit session.
0: <laughs> I say that the harder thing is to get started and because we, yeah. we tell ourselves this story about oh man I've got to pack my bag I've got to fill my water I've got to get my protein I've got to get changed I've got to make it to the gym like if you build this massive big story about how much it takes if you just say you know what I'm going to wake up X time I'm going to do 20 push-ups and 50 sit-ups and then see what happens if I want to go back to bed after that I can but chances are once you've got that blood rushing once you got those endorphins going you're going to want to do more so just like what you yeah. said just start just do something because then it gives you the opportunity now you're an author i want to talk a little bit about that not only you've written a book and i want you to tell us about that but i'm more interested in what inspired you to write because most people it's like almost audacious to write a book right and most people look at it and be like this i couldn't possibly do that what happened that made you think i can't do that and i should
2: so After this wake-up call, um, I suddenly realized that I could do whatever I wanted to do. And I met somebody who had um, written 150 books himself and uh, was best placed to coach you in how to do it, to self-publish, to do it for yourself. So there were no excuses. All I had to do was write. So I just sat down and I wrote And I wrote about something I now cared about, which is something that I'd always known about, which is time and time management. Um, And as sort of a a new business owner, an entrepreneur, if you like, um, I decided to call it Time Management for Entrepreneurs and turn it into five steps to turn your time into profit or turn your time into whatever you want to turn your time in. So although the title is sort of maybe more entrepreneurial people who have bought the book have been from all walks of life and been able to take away changes that they've applied to their life as a result of reading it.
0: I love that. And I get, I get DMS at least once a week, people asking me, so how do you write a book? And my answer is always the same, right? Once you, if you make the commitment to start, like I had no idea how to write a book and I've written like 10. But it's only because I had the ambition, number one, the self-belief that it was possible for me. And then once you start, once you literally say, I'm gonna write a book. And then whatever happens, happens. Whatever I have to learn, I'll learn. And I'll get there. And that's what exactly what you said i'm glad you kind of mirrored that thought because you don't have to be some like amazing person to write a book you just have to have a story that should be told and you you did that and maybe it wasn't a story more as like personal development self-help which is obviously all i write about um but just start just write it just have the belief to actually think that you're worthy of putting it out there and if it can help one other person then it then the book is a success
2: yeah, and we've got some more books coming next year, so that's super exciting as well. And everything is divine timing. It's not always your timing, so it's right when it's right. right. You know, I hear people say, I want to write a book. I'm like, well, you'll write it when you're ready. And some people may never be ready, but that's their dharma. So 99.9% of this all comes down to mindset and how you choose to see something and what is actually important to you. And you might want to write a book, but something else might be more important. We all have the same 24 hours every day, but how we choose to spend it is entirely our own choice. And just to come back to your point about balance earlier, 90-10 might be balance. If that makes you happy, freaking do it. Right. We have something called the 888 formula where it's to help people to analyze how they're spending their 24 hours. And we say eight hours here, eight hours here, eight hours here. You don't have to break it down like that. It's just a baseline to give you something to start from.
0: Right. And I assume, I mean, I was going to ask you about your 888 formula because I've seen you talking about it for a while, but I don't know too much about it. I assumed it was something like you get eight hours to sleep, you have to work eight hours at your job, and there's another eight hours that you can do what you want with. Is that maybe close to what it is?
2: Yeah. So we call it the 888 formula, but basically it's the raw method. So R A W. So that's eight hours for resting, eight hours for activities, and eight hours for work. And we're specific in why they're in that order. Because the majority of people are at war with raw, (laughs) if that makes sense. Theirs is inverted the opposite way. So they spend all their time working. When they're not working, they're spending their time on their activities and they're negotiating their sleep. The reason that um, rest or sleep is at the, the start is we are human. Our body needs to rest. Our body needs to sleep. Our bodies need between seven and nine hours sleep every night. And it is totally different for an individual. And some people may need less than that. Um, and some people may need more than that, but these are sort of general statistics. Um, And if you don't give your body that chance to um, settle, to to reset overnight, um, it affects your immune system, which can lead to long-term illnesses. It affects your general health and well-being. Um, It affects your mindset. It makes you way, way, way more emotional. When emotion is high, intelligence is low, Mm -hmm. which therefore means that you're not making great decisions. You're not making rational decisions. And they say sort of, the statistics around people who are sleep deprived and road traffic accidents is absolutely insane. And obviously at different times in people's lives, it's not always going to be possible to get that sleep. I mean, you're a new father, so you're going to understand what it's like when you don't get the optimum sleep that you need. So we try to sort of teach people that this is the ideal for this, this and this reason. However, our lives go through you know, a roller coaster. So right. you have to just do what you can do, make the best of what you've got while you've got it. And if you're in a partnership, then try to make that partnership work for the pair of you. So like, you get your sleep, I'll get my sleep. Let's look after the baby, like whatever you have to do. And it doesn't need to be Instagram perfect. <laughs> It just needs to be hustled to get through it like everything is a hustle
0: so you talk you talk a lot about time and obviously talk a lot about success most people i mean i guess it's a common thing for successful people driven people to have like daily rituals and sometimes that's something they do first thing in the morning and sometimes it's something like i have to meditate do you have any non-negotiables things that you want to do or try to do every single day of your life that would could be considered a ritual
2: I have certain things that I do pretty much every day. And if I don't do them, I do notice them. So the meditating, um, the gratitude, I will at least say 10 things I'm grateful for at some point in the day, because that's my reset. for when I notice my mind is wandering, I, I straight away take my mind off down an alleyway of what can we be grateful for. We might be worried about this. We might be scared of that. But what can we be grateful for? So gratitude is a daily thing. Um, and water with half a lemon sounds a bit random. <laughs> but it it really is. That's like my fuel that goes in that makes me feel um, better at the start of the morning. Every day I have this water and half a lemon. Um, and I am quite sort of fanatical about making sure that I get the right amount of sleep. Because I notice that I just don't feel
0: yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get it. Uh, If I don't get my my eight hours a day or eight hours a night, I don't feel like myself either. So, I think a lot of people, when they see someone like Gary V, who's just hustling like sixteen hours a day, they almost think he's promoting like you do not get enough sleep and sleep when you're dead type of mentality. But you're gonna be dead a lot sooner if you don't get. You'll be
2: you'll be dead way sooner and here's the interesting thing is he now actually saying don't no. sleep or is no, he, he actually he was never, saying He was
0: never saying that it was just yeah. the impression that people got yeah how hard he was working but he said all along like i get enough sleep i make sure yeah, it's a priority because yeah. he's not himself if he doesn't right
2: his sleep numbers his own sleep number so right. yeah and that's the amazing thing is everybody's different
0: and you can't judge yourself on somebody else's so like no. people can act as like a blueprint they're not steadfast like it's not the only way so if there's a guy that sleeps four hours a night for 20 years that's on him like if i did that i'd be a zombie so you can't compare yourself to other people you can only use them as kind of like inspiration and so here's the he's a speaker we're both speakers how did that journey begin to for you because i know that's something you're passionate about and i've seen you've been doing a lot more of that recently tell us a little bit about your speaking career.
2: so the speaking began for me five years ago um, I obviously had written the book and my um, business mentor at the time said to me, why don't you talk about the book to my audience, um, who were also my audience, because it was part of a mastermind that I was in. Um, and he said, because you know your stuff, you've written a book and, and they like you. So it, it, it shouldn't be that hard. So this is, sort of comes to a point that I was just going to make, When other people make things seem easy, they've practiced in private what they look perfect at in public. I agree. And we've talked about this many times with you and your shots. How many times have you practiced the shot to make the shot look effortless?
1: Right.
2: So he said to me, um, I'll give you an hour to talk about time management um, to the audience and teach them some, some things from your book. So I said, yeah, okay, cool. He said, so I would suggest you've got 60 minutes, 60 slides, You know, that that should just about do it. So obviously I said at the start that I had this corporate background, so 60 slides to me was just death by PowerPoint, so there was no way I was (laughs) going to do that. Um, So this is a big lesson in learn from people who've been there before, because what happened was I then had 10 slides, but I had never done it before, so it didn't set me up for any kind of runway. So once I stood up there in front of them, talked them through my slides, talked them through the stuff, 15 minutes, I was off. So that was the first time I ever really gave sort of a training talk and and shaking the whole way through. Mm -hmm. So he came onto the stage and said, thank you very much, Abigail, for that warm-up introduction there. Now we're going to talk about time management. (laughs) And then needless to say, never let me speak to his audience again for two years. (laughs) Um, so that was, and I, and I said to him afterwards, he said, well, how are you going to learn if I don't push you in the deep end? He said, do you want to, you want to speak to 5,000, 10,000 people, don't you? How are you going to learn if you don't go in the deep end? And besides you didn't drown. And I said, well, that, don't you think that was very irresponsible? He said, I'm not your parent. I'm your mentor. I'll push you to the limits. And if I thought you were going to drown, I'll drag you out. It's fine. He said, you, you know, you didn't, you didn't cry. We just did 15 minutes it wasn't great but it, you know it was a great
0: start people think that when you do something for the first time like if you want to do it like say you look at something like speaking if someone was to get up and say yeah i think i could be a good speaker they get up and they give their speech and if it's not amazing they would think oh this isn't for me that's like me saying i want to be a basketball player and then i go and play in an nba game when i'm 14 years old and get annihilated and say oh this isn't for me i could i'm not good enough like, how ridiculous is that, right? But so many people have that belief, especially around speaking, because most people are petrified of it. Before your very first speech, scale of 1 to 100, how nervous were you? I didn't sleep. <laughs> so 100.
2: So 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 I did the all the gear and no idea. I had somebody come around and do a blow dry. I worked out what I was going to wear. So I absolutely looked the part. But there is no you. you can't shortcut practice.
1: Right. Impressive. So you
2: can read. You can read all the books. You can have all the certificates. You can watch all the shows. But it's practice. It's ten thousand hours of practice. So what happened after that was I sat down. But instantly I had this. I want to do it again. <laughs> and to oh, which he oh. said, "Fantastic!" But fantastic but not on my stage so then it was a journey over the next five years of working out how to to learn my craft how to speak how to improve it Courses, trainings, talks, events, you know, next month, whenever this is going to go out, it won't make sense. But September 2019, I'm organizing my um, 26th and 27th event. Wow. Um, so I organize my own events with my own stage where I speak there and either speak entirely for the for the event or interview people. Um, and that has been a consistent way for me to practice and improve as a speaker. I'm also then paid to speak on other people's stages, at their events, and either training or motivational, or inspirational or speaking. Um, I do sort of both, but it is practice. It is repetition. It is coming off the stage and thinking, "Wow, that was that wasn't great," but having to switch into, "But what was good?"
0: All right. What can I learn from?
2: And also understanding it's not about us. It's about the audience. And I did a post about this on Instagram today, incidentally, because you have to get out of your own head. People don't come for my story. They come for transformation. And my ability to speak is my ability to take them on a journey to help them see what's in them. Right. By using my story as a, an example or as a framework, Speaking for me is the biggest um, the biggest gift ever and something to be truly, truly grateful for. For that opportunity to be able to speak to even five people, 10 people, 20 people. The, the, the numbers are relevant. I would speak. And I did speak to sort of an audience of four in a bookshop. <laughs> Three of which were my family. Three of which were my family. One of them was the owner of the bookshop.
0: <laughs> would
2: Friends you, and family.
0: Would you say that speaking is your number one passion now?
2: I like speaking because it is a brilliant opportunity to get the message out to more people in one go. Uh, because for every one person that hears the message, they impact the lives of 10 So we're on a mission to get the 888 formula into um, the lives and into the awareness of a million people by 2025. So speaking is really going to be the way that we do it. And obviously podcasts.
0: (laughs) Well, podcasts (laughs) is just another way of speaking, right? It's just Mm. another way of putting your voice out into the world and having it be heard. So you said earlier your superpower is optimism. Would you say that was your only superpower maybe you have another I feel like every successful person has at least one but potentially two or three things that they do much better than your average people that allows them to be successful
2: so I will say my superpower uh, I have probably three then one is resilience I will get knocked down that's life but I will always get back up again always until the day when you know there is no second chance it it might not look graceful it might take me a while um and these days when I get knocked down by a challenge in business which is business um I can generally recover within three to four hours and sometimes in the past it would have taken a week it would have taken a month it would have taken a year And that's just the resilience of the journey of learning how to breathe and to let it go. And some things you can let go with a walk around the block. It doesn't take that long. So resilience, I would say, um, optimism. And then the other one I would say is connection. I'm just incredibly blessed with the ability to spot patterns and connect people. Um, and it can work two ways because sometimes they can't see what I can see. Um, (laughs) And sometimes it can work incredibly well because I can meet someone who is looking for funding for their business and the next day I can meet somebody who is looking to invest in a business and facilitate that conversation. And they are an investor and that's helped the original person. And people ask me, what is my area of expertise in connecting? There is none. I'll just, I'll meet people because I'm a connector and collector of interesting people.
0: I like that so you said that you had a you had a mentor I've never had a mentor at least not one that knew I existed did they give you any good advice or maybe it's from somebody else but what's the best advice that you've ever been given
2: So I've had a number of mentors and do have a number of mentors um, and they're not always paid these mentors. I think this is something to be aware of that a mentor can literally be somebody that you look up to somebody that you watch on YouTube every day. You can see them as a mentor. And this is a way where people say, Oh, I don't have the budget or I don't know how to do it. You know, you might use Gary V as a mentor, for example. Um, But one of my mentors said this phrase to me, and this was honestly like, opening another door because i was sort of raised very black and white um and he said abigail it is easier to seek forgiveness than it is to seek permission (laughs) because i would forever say can i do this can i do that is it okay is it not okay and he said just do it apologize if they tell you off (laughs) and since having that piece of um insight patrick uh the number of things where I'm like, oh, wow, no one said anything. (laughs) I just have to qualify that. When you are at the airport and they say, stand behind the red line, stand behind the red line. There are times in your life when you don't try that, but they're, especially in business, forgiveness, not permission, is such an amazing way to to grow to scale to to get to the next level.
0: It's really interesting you said that because somebody um that actually a successful businessman that I know had I've heard him use that exact same phrase before and he's obviously done very well in business. So that's a very interesting way of looking at it and I just think it's it's almost like being a kid like you're pushing boundaries. And then you're like, okay, I went too far. I got really yelled at for that thing. I won't go that far again. But like you said, sometimes you'll try things and you'll be like, I thought people were going to go crazy about it, but nobody said anything. And sometimes that could be pricing in your business. It could be about going to meet and some of There's a bunch of different avenues that that makes sense. So I really like that piece of advice. And I think I'm going to do maybe a post just about that because I think it's great. Do you have any, I mean, I feel like the beginning of your life After your life-changing experience, you realize some of the regrets you have. Was that the last time? Did you kind of like make a vow that I'm not going to do anything else that allows me to have big regrets? I mean, we all make mistakes. That's not really what I'm talking about. More so, like you said, about doing things for other people and never really living your own life. Is that the last point that you really felt that you had big regrets?
2: So I would say something that I'm aware of, especially in the entrepreneurial business world, takes so much time effort and energy to start something to build something to grow something that um you can put all of your attention into it um and in researching for the eight 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 and sort of living it because i have to live what i teach otherwise it's um out of alignment out of integrity um i have started to become aware of the fact that i could choose to work rather than to actually live my life. Although, quote-unquote, I'm now working for myself, I'm still sort of in that comfort zone of, oh, well, you know, there's always a to-do list, there's always things to do, there's all these people to help. But if my cup isn't full, if I'm not happy from the things that I'm doing, if I'm not prioritizing my family, my friends' relationships over other things and having my own degree of balance, then what is the point of... A second chance and life. So that's something that I'm always aware of now. Is how much am I living? How much did I live today? And so my new check-in for myself is how many times did I laugh today? Because mm-hmm. we can get very serious about the numbers, the autoresponders, the lists, the marketing, the views, the likes, the whatever, whatever that is involved in business, and forget we're here to live. We're here to laugh. Right. We're here to love and we're here to enjoy. I,
0: I kind of feel your pain in that regard because my life, always in my life, but now as well, I've always struggled with that. Not, I don't want to say balance, but I've always struggled between the pull of wanting to just enjoy the crap out of life like genuinely just live it for the moment and this ridiculous ambition i have to be the absolute best i can be and that takes a a lot of work like every day like to to match my vision of who i am and who i want to be it's like 24 7 work all day every day to get to that point how do i balance that with or how do i counteract that with just being in the moment that's probably one of my biggest challenges at the moment so i feel like we're on the same same page there so i want to every time i do a podcast i'm going to ask my people a bunch of questions and i want to give them the opportunity to ask me one so you can ask me anything that you like it can be about my speaking can be about basketball it can be about life can be about anything you want is there anything that you would like to ask me
2: so I know that you're a new father. I am interested in um, what is going to be the biggest piece of advice that you're going to give or impart into little Sophia.
0: Well, that's tough because I have the longest list in the world of things. To teach Sophia.
2: <laughs> One thing. <laughs> um, One thing.
0: Well, I think that, I mean, there's a bunch, but honestly, there's one thing and maybe what she's teaching me, I'm going to throw back to her is to, and you touched upon this a little bit earlier, to live in the moment. So for me, I'm all, I've got a million things on my mind and I'm always doing things. But for me, it's the ability to, when you're in the moment, to actually be in the moment. There's so many times in life that you're dragged from one thing to another. But if you just completely focus on the moment, and be in it a hundred percent. You can always go back to the next moment and be a hundred percent in that moment too. But while you're there, and I'm experiencing that while playing with Sophia, while I'm there, I'm trying to be completely present in that moment. And if I can do that, and if I can then teach her that lesson that she can play and then she can work and then she can do all these things. But if she lives her life in the moment, she's going to be a very happy and successful person. Amazing. So, yeah, that would be that would be the biggest piece of advice I'll probably give to her. But it's also the lesson that she's teaching me. that when Because I'm in my office right now, I'm working all the time, and then Chelsea will call me up and say, can you come and look after Sophia for a while? I need to do X, Y, Z. And instead of me, my head still being in my office and working on, my, oh, I've got this project coming up, blah, blah, blah. I'm actually trying to be like 100% in that moment and play with her. And I think that that's a powerful place for everybody to be. And the more I spend time in moments, like fully invested in that moment, the more, the better version of me comes out. Someone much smarter than me said, you need to have your head and your ass in the same place at the same time. So if wherever your butt is, you need your head to be there too and not have it somewhere else. So that would be Um, that would be what I would say. So you have a website called success by design Is that correct?
2: Yes, it is.
0: That's a good memory right there. What does success mean to you? Because I feel like success is one of those things that people want to define in one way, but I feel like it's different for every single person. As someone that talks about and teaches success, what does success mean to you?
2: So success means the same thing to me that it does to pretty much everybody that I speak to success is freedom and that's financial freedom that is sort of spiritual mental freedom and that is time freedom and one can buy the other um and then it they all sort of inter interact and interlink so ultimately to me success is freedom
0: okay i like that short and sweet (laughs) so abigail barnes You've lived a full life. We're going to project into the future a little bit here. You've lived a long, very long, full life. It's the day after your final day on Earth, and a journalist is writing a story about your life and about your legacy. What will be the legacy that Abigail Barnes leaves behind?
2: So the legacy will be that um, she lived the life she taught which is when you get to the end of your life, I'm taking um, one of my great mentors quotes to the next, um, the next stage for me in my own sort of life is I will say to myself, did I live? Did I love? And did I enjoy? Because if I enjoyed, you can be certain that other people have enjoyed and you can be certain that i am teaching and have taught other people how to enjoy because life is about joy we're not born to work we're born to live we're born to live we're born to be joyful and everything else is just a consequence cash funds dreams but you can't do it if you're not enjoying it you can but it's not a life
0: i think tony robbins and this quote stuck with me after i heard it just one time You said success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure and i think that you would, what you started the podcast with today you said i was according to everybody else i was very successful but if you can do all those things and not feel genuine joy within yourself you're not successful no matter how no matter how rich you are no matter how healthy you are no matter how whatever you are if you like i realize in basketball from the outside looking in people seeing me doing what I truly love to do they don't necessarily see all the negatives that come with it and if you're not completely happy with what you're doing well not completely happy but if you're not happy more than you're unhappy then it's time to make a change and you're a you're an example of that you're an example that you can turn around and go from living one life and live a completely different life and you're also an example that you can do it in a way that helps others a lot of people will change for selfish reasons and only want to help themselves But I admire the fact that you said, you know what, not only am I going to learn similar to my journey, not only am I going to learn how to make myself happy and successful and to feel good, but I'm also going to share what I learn with others so that other people can feel that same joy. I think that's an incredible thing.
2: We have to practice what we preach. Bottom line, everything in life is energy. Energy doesn't lie. You know when you're around people that make you feel good, and you know when you're around people that don't make you feel good. It is literally to do with the energy. We are so perceptive as humans uh-huh. that we can tell when people are out of alignment by how we feel around them. And you may be able to articulate it, or you may just say, I just don't like that person, or I don't feel good when I'm around them and that's sort of step one and there's a multiple of steps and no one step is better than the other but awareness is the key to change um and energy doesn't lie
0: i love that so this is the create a life you love podcast in your opinion how important is it for every single person on earth to create a life that they love
2: if you don't love your life generally because you don't love yourself but if if you can't find any love in any of it, there is no point. There is no point in life without love. So creating creating a life you love literally is learning how to fall in love with yourself and say, you know what you're okay mm-hmm. without a but, without a but your bank account says this, your job says this, your job title says that you're okay and then you build from it then everything else is a freaking bonus.
0: (laughs) I think that honestly, so and the reason I chose that title for this podcast is because I genuinely believe that if everybody did that, if everybody filled their own cup first, we'd we'd all be overflowing and be able to help other people fill their cups too. But when we're miserable, when we're unhappy, whether it be our relationships with work, with whatever, we're not bringing our best version of ourselves out into the world. So it seems on the surface, almost a little bit selfish to be into personal development saying, how can I become the best I can be? Well, the reason that is because it's not selfish. It's unselfish to become amazing because the better you are, the more you have to offer the world around you. So thank you for echoing what I genuinely believe. And thank you for being a guest on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you. I felt like there's a bunch of things that people are going to be able to take from this podcast insights directly from you but they're going to be able to put that into their own lives and i'm hoping to be happier and be more successful in their life in their own lane as you described today so thank you and i want to i want to say that i admire you i've been watching you for a couple of years last time we spoke i was in italy and we had a little our first ever like meeting like a skype conversation similar to this and i left that feeling that that i resonated with you i felt like you're a good person i've kept close not close close but close enough tabs on you to see that you've made drastic improvements just in the past year how seriously you're taking what you do and i want to say that i admire your tenacity the fact that you just i'm going to do whatever it takes like i love that about you and the fact that you're putting positive things out there into the world to help other people so on behalf of the universe thank you for being you
2: amazing well thank you so much thank you for having me
0: my absolute pleasure so finally where can people where can i send people they want to know more about you or what you do you live in london um so if people want to know in-person stuff there's lots happening in london but if they're online if they're anywhere in the world because i have a pretty diverse audience where could people go online to find you
2: so for sure i would say instagram is the best place um i also am semi-active on um facebook i am on twitter but i'm not super active on Twitter Um, and then my website. uh, You can also find me on LinkedIn because I'm quite active on there on a daily basis as well, but search the internet for Abigail Barnes and you're not going to go far uh, wrong finding a million things about me
0: perfect well thank you again abigail and best of luck with everything you're doing in the future so everybody listening at home in the car wherever you are thanks for listening to the create a life you love podcast alla prossima until next time ciao for now how good was that abigail is someone I've been following for quite a while. We've been speaking for a while. I think she's a really good person trying to do good things in the world. So head over to her Instagram page at A Barnes Author. That's A B A R N E S Author. Check her out. Give her some love. She's putting out some really good stuff. She's trying to help people. And head over to her website, successbydesign.com. I hope you enjoyed the new format. We've got some excellent guests coming up. I've already got a couple, booked. if you know someone interesting or successful that you'd like me to have a conversation with, send me a DM and I'll see if I can get them on the show. I'd love to hear your opinion on this episode, so comment on one of my Instagram posts with hashtag Patrick's podcast and let me know what you thought. Alla prossima. Until next time, dream, believe, work hard, achieve, and be kind. Ciao for now.
1: Go say it I'd be Shoulders of giants where I stand so I can see The future is mine in my mind Nothing can stop me I'll chase my dreams and fulfill